Christy, a Trekkie till I die. And I'm Kitty, trained in the ways of the Jedi. Grab a cup of Earl Grey. Or a mug of Andorian Ale. And join us in our mission to seek out new life and new lessons from Star Trek. Welcome back to Season 1, Episode 11, Haven. The star date, for those who care, is 41294.5. The Enterprise arrives at Haven, a planet said to mend souls and heal broken hearts. They welcome aboard Counselor Choi's mom, Luoxana, as well as Stephen and Victoria Miller and their son, Wyatt, whom we learn is Deanna's soon-to-be husband in a long-awaited arranged marriage. Now, Wyatt's nice and all, but there's just one little problem. He's in love with another woman, one he's never met but has always dreamed about. He sketches pictures of her obsessively. He talks about her incessantly. But it's okay, says he. No, you aren't what I was expecting, Deanna, but I'll adjust. Begging your pardon? Bite me, Wyatt. Annoying dinner bells, miniature holoporn, and awkward family gatherings in this week's episode of Lessons from Star Trek. Okay, thanks everyone for sticking around <laughs> as we go to the planet simply known as Haven. Oh, yeah. We never see Haven, by the way. Never. We just have to take their word for it that it's really cool. Yeah. It's whatever. I'm not a very trusting person. I don't believe it. <laughs> so I guess that they're planning shore leave or something because the captain says that we'll rest and relax all too briefly, I fear. Yeah. He talks about how it has healing powers and men's souls and heals broken hearts. And Data's like, yeah, whatever, because those are unsupported by fact. And I'm an android. I don't want to hear it. Right. And so Captain Picard says that uh, the rumors basically are the spice of the universe. Mm -hmm. They're legends. And they can sometimes become true. Yeah. So if anybody happens to know where the, like, Fountain of Youth is. Please let us know. Yeah. I'd like to bathe in it. Yes. Leave a voicemail, please. Yes. And directions, because I'm really bad at geography. <laughs> so I need yes. a Google map. Yes. Okay, we start out pretty spicy in this episode. Oh, my I don't even know what Riker's in his quarters, and Kitty, just just tell people what happens. Tell people what we see so um, that you can't unsee. <laughs> He's watching miniatures, a hologram of attractive women playing harps, and really, all I hear is somebody come get her. She dancing like a <laughs> Somebody come get her. She. It is absolutely ridiculous he is watching starfleet porn that's what that is <laughs> hollow porn don't get us wrong they're they're clothed okay and they're playing harps so it's kind of harmless but i'm sorry i just it's just like really ew feeling. yeah ew so someone yar i think tells him that uh his presence has been requested in the transporter room and he gives him a sorry ladies duty calls but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he has to deactivate the the hollow porn. And yeah. Go, go to the bridge. Dirty, filthy cochino. You're piggy. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So Riker goes to the transporter room because mm -hmm. apparently something is being beamed aboard the Enterprise and he doesn't know what it is. And this this object suddenly appears on the transporter pad and it's like this silver box or chest of some sort. <laughs> yeah. And it's got it's the Tin Man. Like if you took the Tin Man and turned him into a treasure yes. chest, it would be this thing. Oh my gosh. It has a face like a convex if you can see it, like the shape of a face sticking out from it. And then all of a sudden it like comes to life 
and starts talking. Yeah. It's very Wizard of Oz-ish. Yeah, it says, I hold a message for Deanna Troy. Luxana Troy and the Honorable Miller family will soon arrive. The momentous day is close at hand. Rejoice. Ha ha ha. I don't think so. Yeah. Yar's like, what? What was that? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> this compartment opens underneath and all these jewels fall out. Right. Spilling onto the transporter pad. And Troy tells Lieutenant Yar and because Riker's standing there and tells mm-hmm. Riker that those are basically what they would consider wedding gifts. And Riker's like, oh, yeah, who's gotten married? <laughs> and she's like, I am. He's Me. like, uh, hold the phone because that kind of hit him where it hurts. Yeah, but I don't see why. Because was he not the same Riker that not five seconds ago was watching some heart porn in his room? Yeah, he only seems interested when it suits him, I guess. Yeah, when someone else wants her. Mm-hmm. Rude. Ugh. They find out that she is indeed supposed to be married to this, uh, the son of Stephen and Victoria Miller. Mm -hmm. His name's Wyatt, and they've been arranged since they were young, because apparently Mr. Miller and Deanna's father, who passed away many, many years ago, were very good friends. The thing is, the Millers are human, as was Deanna's dad. Mm -hmm. The tradition of arranged marriages are only, you know, even relevant in the Betazoid culture, and here they are still adhering to them, which I thought was very weird. Right. And wrong on so many levels. You you think that until you meet the mother, and then you're like, oh, I get it. I, I totally get it. Right. <laughs> I think we all know oh. her. We all know a version yes, of her. Yes, definitely. She's a piece of work. So, Deanna is talking to the captain in his ready room, and she explains to him that she, of course, she was aware that this was coming eventually, but she really didn't think that it would ever happen. Right. But she is planning on honoring the agreement. Wholeheartedly. And who does that? Meanwhile, Bill. Bill. <laughs> Bill. Listen, I want, let's talk for a minute. I'm, okay, so... You know, the first time that I heard Deanna call him Bill was whenever she had the polywater intoxication and she was hitting on him. Yeah. And I thought it was a Freudian slip of some sort. No. Apparently it's not because she calls him Bill twice in this episode. Yeah. What? What is this? Well, fun fact, this episode was actually recorded prior to the polywater one, but this is the last time you will hear her refer to Riker as Bill. That is so good to know. I did not know that. (laughs) According to MemoryAlphaFandom.com. And you know, I'm sure people are thinking, well, you must not be much of a fan if you've never noticed that. I have never noticed that, okay? And I've watched this series like a million and five times. Yeah. So, um, Bill, mm -hmm. he's sort of looking at her mildly accusatory and questioning. Mm -hmm. And she tells him, look, your first desire, your only desire is to, is to captain the starship. Mm -hmm. So you can't say nothing to me. You don't have any right. Yeah. Can we talk about his stance real quick? Oh, (laughs) the dramatic (laughs) walling. Puts his he puts his arm and his, his forearm and his elbow up on the wall and he leans over and he kind of puts his head down a little bit. It's it's incredibly dramatic. It is so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> you hurt my feelings. And he tells her at that point that that's not all he wants in his life, and Troy f- has consents that that is true. Um, but she instead invites him to dance at her wedding, effectively shutting that crap down. <laughs> Yeah, that was like a very silent slap in the face. Yeah, and he promises he will try and exit stage left Mm -hmm. because 
I feel like that's all he does in this episode is sort of disappear. Right. So Data comes in and tells Deanna that she's got a message from Haven. They're ready to beam the Miller family aboard. Yes. So far, all we have is the talking treasure chest. So (laughs) the Miller family arrives finally. Interesting people. Mm -hmm. Mr. Miller seems nice enough, and so does Wyatt, for that matter. He seems like a nice guy. Mm -hmm. The mother is one of of those people. (laughs) One of those people. Right. I don't even know how to describe her. Just imagine a very wealthy, snotty, arrogant, condescending woman with no filter. Yeah, she, I mean, they're all very nice to Deanna. They are. They're very warm to her, except for Wyatt. I feel like Wyatt was nice to her, but he was completely standoffish and uh, looked a little shocked. He did look a little shocked, and we find out in a minute that he is kind of shocked. Deanna has the advantage here. She may not be, like, fully Betazoid and can read your thoughts, but she can sense your emotions, and she knows without a doubt that Wyatt is surprised at who she is. Right. For some reason. No, she doesn't know why. She knows something's up. Right. So he comes up and introduces himself and then gives her a chameleon rose. It's the flower that that changes color according to the mood of the individual holding it. Yeah, it's like a mood ring only a rose. Yeah. I thought it was funny because like it went through the whole rainbow in like two seconds and you can tell she's like, I don't know how to feel. Right. And everybody knows it. Yeah. Because we're watching your rose. Yes. So Troy thanks him for his gift and then she asks, hey, where's my mom? Oh yeah. And we find out that she wouldn't dare beam to the ship at the same time as Victoria Miller. Yeah. You know, I mean, talk about, this is already, this is already bad. Okay. Yeah. You've already got the in-laws that don't like each other, but yet you're going to go through with this marriage. How fun are family gatherings going to be from here on out? Oh, my God. That's going to be just a giant shit show. Yeah. (laughs) We learn later that um, Deanna's mom clearly has zero tolerance for the Millers. Mm -hmm. She considers them beneath her. So I question why they're still going through with this. I don't know, but I look at Victoria Miller and walks on a Troy as very much two peas in a pod. Oh, absolutely. They are, yeah, they are cut from the same cloth. (laughs) Yeah. That's why they don't like each other. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So at that point, we learn that, you know, she's not going to come as long as we're in this room. So Captain Picard shows them to their guest quarters. Mm -hmm. And we see Mrs. Troy. (laughs) Lawaxana. Lawaxana. Lawaxana, yes. And uh, a very tall man beam aboard mm-hmm. the Enterprise. Troy warns the captain. She's mm-hmm. She kind of warns everybody that her mother's a little eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like the understatement of the century. Ms. And they're Jonathan beaming Moore. backwards. Like, she's backwards. What is that about? <laughs> Where is everybody? Where is everybody? Oh, yeah. And so Troy verbally greets her with a hello, mother. And you automatically know how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. When anyone calls them mother, mm-mm. You know, this is not a warm relationship. <laughs> this right. is not, this is not going to go well. Yeah. So, um, because Troy actually said the word, hello, mother, um, her mom is very disappointed that her daughter has chosen to speak versus using her mind. Mm-hmm. She's, oh, I don't know. I have zero tolerance for her right now. Yeah, she's a little much. She's extra. Yeah. So she turns to Picard and tells him, don't tell me you're the captain. 
And um, Picard tells her that he is aware of her telepathic ability, but she tells him that it was merely common sense and asks Captain Picard to carry her luggage. Right. Who else would greet me besides the captain of the ship? Right. And the captain is very gracious. He's, he is very He's nothing but not a gentleman. So he agrees to carry this case, which <laughs> happens to be 575 pounds. <laughs> And so he's trying to lug that down the corridor. Yeah. And he leads the way to the guest quarters. And Data and Jordy mm-hmm. are looking on as they as they go by while watching the captain struggle with his <laughs> 600 pound case. And they're like, what is he doing? <laughs> right. He's leading by example, gentlemen. That's what he's doing. God, yes. And she is the rudest person ever on this trip to her quarters. Like She's, she's entitled. Extremely rude. Like, I'm giving zero crap for her. I just have none. The entire trip back from the transporter room to the guest quarters, she's a little much. It's a constant diatribe about how how inferior humans are, basically. Yes. Because they don't have telepathic abilities. Yes. And so you hear a lot of her chattering and then Deanna going, Mother! Mother! Yes. (laughs) Shut up! Yeah. She's trying to create some small talk, I think, mm-hmm. and it's just not working. She tells Deanna that it's amazing how the accent of hers reminds her of her father. And Deanna replies with a, well, your last valet tried so hard to rid me of it. And I thought, oh, is that some passive aggressive coming out? I think it might be. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So they're in the turbo lift, right? And her mom continues talking and talking and at one point tells of how the Betazoids are so much more advanced than the humans before her daughter telepathically tells her that's enough. And she finally stops talking. But she does it with a smug look like she was only doing this to goad her daughter into speaking to her the way she wanted her to. Right. Ugh, control freak. Let's talk about Mr. Home, the yeah. tall guy. Is is that Lurch? <laughs> it looks like him. I think it's Lurch. It? He doesn't say anything, by the way. He like doesn't speak. He just looks on. He's incredibly tall, probably seven and a half feet. Yeah. I swear it's Lurch. It may be. Anyway. You may need to look that up later. Mm-hmm. They get to her quarters, which she finds them adequate, and uh, tells Picard that he can go. <laughs> he may go now. Oh, and he's like, I mean, he's not without his smart aleck equality. Right. Because he, like, backs out of the room and then gives her a little bow and then... And then <laughs> goes backwards back out into the corridor and i'm like ooh, yeah mm-hmm. a little hidden snark Sorry, going on snark. yeah at that point she turns to her daughter and she apologizes for the sudden marriage she tells her that stephen miller had tracked her down and reminded her of the vow that they'd made many years before and troy actually tells her mom that she's having trouble believing in those vows as she did in the past but she will honor them let's talk about two things here yeah number one Wyatt Miller is totally into someone else. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of a fantasy in his head because he's never met this person, but he's dreamed of this person. Why, if you were, if you had your heart and your head set on that person, would you subject another person to, to being your your second best, your replacement? Yeah. Your I don't know. Your compromise? I think it's cruel. It's completely unfair to her. But he has sought this out, and Deanna agreed. I don't even know why you would agree to something I mean, but like she that. sort of does the same thing to him, though. I mean, she tells him about her love for Riker. Yeah. But that his desire is to be the captain of a starship and that she's there to honor 
you know, the vows that their parents set before them, basically. So it feels to me like it's very contrived and it's very much a, I'm only doing this because I'm being told to, you know? Right. They're settling. And you're okay, but you're not what I had in mind. I just hate that for them because it's just, it cheapens the whole experience. It does. I would rather be alone than with someone that I am not completely 100% devoted to and in love with. Yes. And a little PSA out there, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) don't settle. If you have certain sets of qualities, characteristics that you want, don't. Number one, don't try to force someone to be those if they're not. And number two, don't settle for what you don't want. It will only hurt you and the other person in the long run. Right, because one, one of the other of you is going to have to compromise yeah. who you are in order yeah. to make that work. Just don't give up who you are. You have worth. That's right. My little PSA for today. Excellent. <laughs> so we're back on the bridge of the Enterprise, yes. and LaForge uh, gets a, is getting a message from Haven. Their leader... Valeda Ennis, I mm-hmm. guess is her name. Mm-hmm. The first electorine. 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 I like that. Yes. If I ever become president of the United States, I'm going to have you call me electorine. <laughs> it's going to be my new Just grandma, kidding. Man. I'm not running. I don't need all that headache. Thanks. So she's freaking out because apparently they have picked up a vessel mm-hmm. on radar. I don't think it's radar. What is it? <laughs> yeah. It's... On their sensors. Their uh-huh. sensors have picked up a vessel. It fails to communicate. It's bypassed their Stargate and violated their law. And so Picard asks if she believes the vessel is hostile, and she replies, failure to communicate is inherently hostile. And let me tell you something. That is, (laughs) that's a knee-slapping, jaw-dropping statement of the year. And it is so true for everything. If you fail to communicate your wishes, desires, wants, or needs, Mm -hmm. you are inherently being hostile to the person you are expecting to read your mind. Right. That's a little unfair considering that we are not Betazoid and we don't have that ability. Yeah. We're not empaths. Exactly. To that extent anyway. So she says that they have no defense capabilities and that the Federation specifies that the Enterprise's obligations in this matter are to protect them. This planet Haven is obviously pacifist. Yes. And they, they're like a resort town. Yeah. You know, yeah. except they don't have any police or armed guards or military. They're just without any kind of protection. Right. Which is a little weird. That is a little weird. Given that they're known for their healing and, you know, soul-soothing capabilities. Right. You know, having the ability to protect yourself does not mean that you are hostile or evil in any way. Right. It just means that you're not so ignorant as to believe that everyone else is not. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with being prepared to protect yourself. I don't either. So, in the interim, after this, Troy visits Wyatt in his quarters. Um, She apologizes for her mother's behavior, and Wyatt finds her honesty refreshing, which... I think that's always a bad sign. Every time I hear that, I'm thinking, no, you just got friend zoned. <laughs> right. It's like when you tell your other, I love you. And they say, you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, God. So, and she looks around his quarters and there's drawings of this girl yeah. everywhere. And it's obviously not Deanna. <laughs> <laughs> right. And she's like, excuse me. 
It's whoever that chick was that sang Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, Bonnie. <laughs> no. What was her name? Lord. I don't remember. But yeah. it looks it looks like a 1980s rocker. She's got the big hair. Yeah, yeah. she does. She so does. we don't know who this person is. He doesn't know who this person is, mm-hmm. but they do have a conversation about his artwork, and he is incredibly talented. He's also a doctor, a medical doctor. Yeah. So, you know, he's not a bad catch. <laughs> Yeah. He's nice. He's a doctor. He's got art skills. Right. He's very kind. Right. But, I mean, there's this just one inherent problem with this whole thing, and that is he is in love with the person in these pictures. Yes. And, you know, there's, what do you do about that? Yeah. And so he asks her, basically, she, she accepts that he's in love with someone else that he's never met, and she tells him about Riker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asks, so is there any competition on this ship? Like, <laughs> right. And she's like, no, not really. Yeah, no. Cause... Which I think she's disappointed that there isn't. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, which secretly I think every girl is. They want to be fought for, yeah. basically. Yes. Are valued enough to to matter. Yeah. And she doesn't feel like she matters more than Riker's desire to captain a starship someday. Yeah. <sighs> now, I mean, there is good news. We all know how this turns out. Right. In the in the end. Right. And if you don't, I'll tell watch you. Watch Picard. Yeah, watch Picard. <laughs> Riker and Troy get married eventually in one oh. of the movies first, and then you see them later in the new Picard, which yeah. is really awesome. So we know that they finally find each other. So she tells him, yeah, that she's sorry she's not what he expected, but Wyatt feels honored to be married to her soon. And I am just like, hell no. That was the death knell <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Nope. I don't, I, it's nice that you're honored, but no. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's as nice as he can be given the situation because he feels like he's compromising too, Mm -hmm. but he's very complimentary to her. He's like, you know, you are, you are beautiful. Mm -hmm. You are wonderful. And it's just, sometimes that's not enough. You know, admiring someone is, is great. Right. But you've known each other for five seconds. Yeah. Mm. No. So I find it, I love that Picard shows his sort of concern over this whole thing. Like he is taking a protective stance over Troy, Mm -hmm. but he can't interfere. Right. And so on his, in his personal log, he says that I trust my concern over the problem of ship's counselor, Troy, are not based merely on losing a highly valuable crew member. But it seems to me that she is trapped by a custom of her home world, which the facts of the 24th century life have made unwise and unworkable. I wish I could intervene. God. And I'm like, oh, I know. Every parent has, has had that moment. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the harder you fight to pull it away, mm-hmm. the harder they will fight to keep it together, even if it's not what it's supposed to be. Right. They'll dig their heels in. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so. on principle. Alone. Right. <laughs> and we know this because we've been a kid, too, you know. Yes. We've been that age. So oh. it's um, he's in a very hard position. And he is he is kind of a father figure. He doesn't have any children of his own. Right. But these folks on his ship are as close as he has to family. Right. And well, he does kind of take guess... a fatherly stance. If you live and work with people for that long, you would be a family. You come to rely on and look out for each other. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, what's really going on? Right. So we're back on the bridge, and Data's gotten an image of the rogue vessel approaching Haven. Um, And it's traveling at subwarp several hours away from reaching the planet. And... When LaForge increases the magnification, Picard asks, Is that the trouble I believe it is? And Data replies that indeed it is a Trillian ship, 
Right. Dun, dun, dun. And so he signals for Dr. Crusher to report to the bridge at once and says that the ship must not be permitted to destroy the crew of the Enterprise or Haven. Okay, and we so, find out that the, yeah. the Torellians apparently were a society that at some point in time in the past had developed a biological weapon. And this biological weapon was meant for the enemies of one portion of society to the mm-hmm. other. And what ended up happening is that they basically killed themselves everybody it was so bad this bioweapon was so bad that it destroyed the entire race of people hello coronavirus <laughs> right. i'm just saying so you know they haven't seen a Torellian ship in years because there has haven't been any Torellians alive right and now there are and we know that they're probably carrying the virus. They haven't made contact yet, but... So they're all meeting, basically going over the facts. And Riker and Jordy suggest the ship has been damaged, explaining its slow speed and why it would have taken all these years to reach Haven from their world. Data explains that Torella, their homeworld, was once much like Earth, but hatred outpowering intelligence occurred. As Data puts it, during the hostilities, one group of the inhabitants unleashed a bioweapon on the other group, and as it turns out, it killed the whole lot. Mm-hmm. So um, the virus became deadly and infectious, and all of them were infected with the plague, and they were hunted down and destroyed since they could take their sickness and spread it to other worlds. So they're like the lepers of yeah. that sector in space. Yeah, but can we go back to hatred outpowering intelligence? Yes, let's do. Because I feel like that's what we are in every day. It's you relevant. cannot post anything, even an innocuous, unbiased comment without someone coming for you. And I am over it. I'm over it. I heard someone recently call the internet and all things social media the cesspool of humanity. Yes. And it really is. I don't get it. I don't get how people can be so I mean, vicious to each so other. I mean, are you so afraid that someone has an opinion that's different than yours? Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why? Why is open dialogue a problem? Why is my beliefs different than your beliefs a problem? I'm not forcing mine on you. Mm-mm. You know, I'm just simply stating what I believe. So I, you know, or hey, where I stand politically, this country was founded on people, you know, arguing over where they stand and coming to agreements. So points have to be heard. Why is that such a problem? Well, that's a good question. And I think it comes (laughs) down to in times past when you had a, a debate over whatever it might be, politics, religion whatever. It was only based on those things. And now it seems that if someone doesn't agree with you, the first, your first order of business is to find some way to attack them personally. Yes. You're, you're too fat to have an opinion. You must, you must be a redneck. Um, you must not, you must not be very intelligent. I had someone tell me one time that they were surprised at my opinion because I seem to be an educated, intelligent woman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you really <laughs> thought that, then you and I would be having a conversation about this right. instead of you insulting me. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. It turns personal very quickly now. Yeah, and here's what I don't get. It's not enough. You know, even in differences, I can see debate happening and people are people and they're going to be ugly. But now I see more and more, you know... Like, people can't post a TikTok video without a hundred people saying, you need to die. Why don't you go kill yourself? You are too fat to live. What is that? You are, 
I don't know. It's demonic and, is and what it is. And they're children. I'm like, these are kids that you are talking to. Yeah, there's those people are Satan. <laughs> like, seriously. I just don't get it. They are straight it. from the pits of hell. I don't get it. You need to stop it. And I, yeah, I, for one, am done. Mm-hmm. I, you want to be a keyboard warrior? You know, take a long, hard look at yourself before you start jumping on somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's done in the dark, man. What's done in the dark will come to the light. And that's, that's, right. that's what I believe. So I am worried for the direction that we are going with technology and people not having to face other people. They can just be these horrible keyboard bullies and say things so beyond the pale, Mm -hmm. you know, that you are telling a 13 year old child to just go kill themselves because you don't like what they do or say, Hey buddy, why are you watching a 13 year old kid then? You know, why, what's wrong with you? I don't know. They need to be reported. I mean, we are moving very slowly in the right direction because there have been charges filed and been successful in instances like that. Mm -hmm. So I think people need to be held responsible for what they say, whether it is electronic or face-to-face. I mean, a a terroristic threat is a terroristic threat. Yes. Yes. And it's okay for me not to believe what you believe, and we can still coexist. Yeah, and that's that's where we're failing, I think. Yeah. You must be horrible because you don't see things my way. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's, it really is. We are is. better than that. Come it on really now. It really is. And sometimes I don't think we're better than that. I think if this is the best humanity has going for it, what's really going on, you know? Well, it's there's room for improvements. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Right. So, um... We're ha- I think they're having a, some type of reception yes. for the guests in the lounge. And Mrs. Miller asks Captain Picard if he would perform the marriage ceremony, which would be fitting. Right. The, the captain of a ship, blah, right. blah, blah. Um, a minister, those those are all mm-hmm. qualified for that role. <laughs> well, Luoxan is having none of it because mm. apparently uh, <laughs> she wants a traditional Betazoid marriage ceremony which all the participants will be expected to be completely naked. Yes. <laughs> and, and so Luoxana refuses the request for Captain Picard to do the ceremony, and she wants Mr. Holm to do it. When he doesn't speak, I guess he'll use sign language. So the ladies start fighting back and forth about it. Yeah. Luoxana and Victoria They're are now bigger. having a little cat fight, and Picard being the... Yes. Same to you. <laughs> Yeah, being the peacekeeper that he is, he says it's Starfleet tradition that all disputes at social gatherings are not permitted, and he declares all disagreements are resolved. (laughs) Yes, and then he raises the glass and toast to Deanna and Wyatt. And now it works. I'm going to try that next time I see some (laughs) people arguing. Right. So as they start to eat... Um, home bangs this Betazoid child at regular bell. intervals th- during the meal. And, like, he is woofing down some wine. Like, he is drinking like he has never drunk before. Yeah, he's throwing back some shots of something or another. Yeah, and, and ringing this chime, like, every 30 seconds. Yeah, apparently it's our equivalent to saying grace before dinner. Yes, they're, it's <laughs> expressing that they're grateful. Yeah. And oh, we're like, every wow. three seconds, ding, ding. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my goodness. So it becomes a bit much. Riker excuses himself, claiming that 
that he would like to consider the Trillian situation further, and he leaves the celebration. Liar. Liar, yeah. liar, pants on He's fire. running away. He's running away. And Data, who's fascinated by all the goings-on, asks home if he has a little human in Yeah, the him. way he likes to imbibe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, of course, home is insulted and turns his back on Data. And the dinner continues to go downhill from there. It just becomes a real gnarly event. Loxana is a button pusher. Oh, yeah. She's got a, I don't know, a pet ivy. (laughs) (laughs) That sentient to a point is like a little, I don't don't know. It's like a bow truckle. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's longer, so it's wrapped around her arm. And she, you know, sends it over to, to mess with Victoria, who freaks out and screams. And I don't know, she's just a button pusher. She really is. Saying really rude things and fishing for a fight. And she finally gets one. Um, Her and Victoria start arguing some more. There's insults flying everywhere. And Deanna finally has enough of it. Yeah. She was furious. And she gets up and she yells at everybody. She storms out and, thank goodness, destroys the chime (laughs) on her way out. Yes. (laughs) Thank God. So she finds her way to the holodeck to find Riker sitting on a stone sulking. Mm-hmm. A simulated alien world. He tells her that he will miss her. And she's taken aback and says, I am no longer Mzadi to you. And I'm like, hold on, ho. You about to marry someone else. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And so he said that you taught me that that word means my beloved, implying that the word would no longer be appropriate to use. And it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, they go on from there discussing the difficulty involved in their parting and she remarks that humans particularly those who are young often have difficulty separating platonic and physical love okay what does that mean does that mean that she was only she only felt platonically about him because that's a lie yeah well yeah and And was she accusing him of being immature and not being able to separate the two or not knowing what (laughs) i mean seriously this was really really insulting yeah and i'm sorry my beloved that is That's very in, intimate. Yes, intensely emotional, mm-hmm. very intimate, and all encompassing. Mm-hmm. So that is not a platonic word. So for her to say, I am no longer Mzadi to you, um, no, bitch. <laughs> You're getting married. You gave up that right about 20 minutes ago when you said yes and accepted a box of jewels and you That's forgot right. to tell somebody. Sorry. Yeah, you can't have both. And meanwhile, I'm going to go watch some more hollow porn. But, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're both doing this to each other, Riker and Troy. Yes. They're like, I don't really want you enough to marry you. Right. But if I can't have you, nobody else can either. And I'm going to be mad about it and brood about it. Yeah. Yeah. Riker. So then in walks Wyatt Miller. He's so innocent. I mean, he's really nice. Okay. He's really a nice guy. (laughs) He is, but I have questions on him too. Tell me. I'm just like, why are you dreaming of somebody else and you're about to come in and lay one on Deanna and marry her naked? I don't get well, that at all. No, and here's the thing. As soon as he met her, the minute he stepped off the transporter pad yeah. and saw that Deanna was not the person in his pictures. He was disappointed. He should have put the photo, the pictures away that he drew. Yeah. I mean, make your choice and stick with it. Yeah. You can't have both. And instead, in his quarters, he had all these pictures displayed for Deanna to see whenever she went and talked to him that one time. The jackassery is real in this one. I'm just saying. Yeah, so he informs her that after she stormed out, that the parents have come to an agreement regarding the wedding. 
that some guests will go naked and some will not. And he asked Troy at that point if she really wants to go through with the wedding. And she says she really wants to. And then they kiss. Hmm. And let me mention that the captain was really happy about the compromised agreement. (laughs) I don't know about you, but if like all my co-workers (laughs) wanted to throw a wedding and we were all required to go naked, I would not be able to look at anybody ever again. I would never go. I'd be like, yo, where y'all registered? I'm sending you a gift. But the world ain't ready for all this to be naked in public. (laughs) I don't even want to get naked in a shower, so... (laughs) Much less in, in public. Everybody, that would be so weird. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, the Torellian ship is getting closer and closer, and they've tried, you know, warning it away, mm-hmm. and it, that's failed. They're not getting any communication from them whatsoever, and the captain's getting concerned, mm-hmm. and it has a difficult decision before him. Basically, it's it's kind of like if you had the Ebola virus in this, <laughs> um, in a pickup truck, and it's heading your direction. And you have a shoulder missile. <laughs> COVID-19. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Do you blow up the truck before it gets to you because that, that person is not acknowledging your yeah. hails or your warnings? And that's kind of the decision the captain has in front of him. There is a plague on this ship and they know it. Yeah. And it's coming towards this planet that is a perfect paradise that has no way to defend themselves. Yeah. And once it gets past a certain point... The people aboard the ship, the Torellian ship, would be able to beam down beam down to the mm-hmm. planet. And if that happens, it could be global destruction for them. Right. So this is a hard thing for the captain to try to figure out. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, he's got Miss Ennis, the electorine, pleading with him and constantly, you know, sending him updates of, you do realize that they can turn this wonderful world of ours into a graveyard. Please, please take action now before it's too late. Yeah, she's like the little devil on the shoulder. Destroy them. Destroy them. Destroy (laughs) them. Yes. So much for peace and harmony. Right. (laughs) Peace, love, and harmony. Destroy them. Nope. So, yeah, he comes up with the solution um, that they're going to hold the Torellian vessel in a tractor beam, right? Yeah, and if they have the tractor beam on them, they can't beam anywhere. And finally, Mm -hmm. we see the crew of the Torellian ship. Mm-hmm. They send communication. And everything changes and whenever Troy we see that. recognizes the woman in front of her as the woman in Miller's drawings. Right. So, obviously, they send for Wyatt. If I were Deanna, I would probably be more relieved than yes. anything. <laughs> and I think like, she is. Thank you. But, you know, I'm just like... And excited for one. Wyatt. Because he is about to meet his dream. Head on. True. Hold on. Our friend's back. <laughs> oh, God. Go home. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So the eight people on the ship, according to the Torellian leader of the group, uh, Ren, mm-hmm. are the only remaining survivors of the Torellian race. Mm-hmm. And they really want to live their last days on a, just an isolated beach somewhere on Haven. That does, That's not going to happen, okay? Yeah. And so Wyatt is on the bridge now, right? And he hears this, and he is surprised to find the woman of his dreams aboard that vessel. She had dreamed about yes. him. Yes. And... Apparently, they look at him as some sort of savior or their salvation. Right. Because in her dreams, he saves them. He saves them. And, of course, he is a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. So he's he's been waiting for this moment his whole life, basically. (laughs) Right. He consults Luoxana about why his thoughts were of this woman who he now sees is real and doesn't really get any good answers. She's still all for this marriage going through. Yeah. 
and more concerned about how she's going to look naked with the particular headpiece that she's chosen. <laughs> right. I guess if that's the only thing people have to look right. at. Well, that wouldn't be the only thing people had to look at, but <laughs> I guess it would matter it's which fascinator you chose to go with your yes. naked body. Um, yeah. There's not enough tanning beds on the free planet. Absolutely not. No, sorry. So without any hesitation, Wyatt takes a small case from sick bay. He incapacitates the transporter chief with a hypospray. He, you know, beams aboard the Trillium vessel without authorization. And on the ship, he then sees the drawings of himself, obviously, by the woman. Um, and he communicates with the Enterprise and explains that he's decided to remain there to try to cure the Trillians. Yeah, he doesn't have a choice at this point. It's yeah, not, he, he can't, can't come, come back. back. Yeah. Yeah, you just exposed yourself to the Black Plague. <laughs> yeah. You done, so, son. Um, don yeah. your death mask and have a good time. And, you know, everyone is shocked, but they come to respect his decision, which I'm like, what? I'd be pissed. My kids would still be hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And then they, the Trillians agree to move on, removing the threat to Haven and are released to return to space. Done and done. She got out of that one. <sighs> I'm very happy for Deanna. I would have been thrilled to see this woman on the bridge of that ship. Yeah. I mean, like, phew. Yeah. Saved by the bell. Yeah. So I think what I get from this is I am worth more than settling for second best. I am nobody's side chick. Mm -mm. (laughs) You know, Mm -mm. I am nobody's number two. Nope. I am, if I can't be number one, I'm not going to be in it at all. And it doesn't matter who is for that union or not. It's not happening if I don't feel valued. That's right. So that's um, my takeaway. My takeaways. Um, arranged marriages suck. Yes. And like you, I think people need to know their worth and their value. Yeah. Also, I think if you're in-laws, you need to, like, chill out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not try to make your child's life a living hell. Absolutely. Try to get along. Uh, what else? And stop casting your aspersions on your kid. I would love to say I know my child better than anyone, but I would venture to say that the person that she's going to marry will know her in far better ways than I ever will. And that's, you know, because he will know her from then forward. And I have her past and I'll always hold her past. Mm-hmm. But we grow and change every day as humans and Mm -hmm. as adults our relationships evolve too so she'll always be my little girl and i will always be fiercely protective over her and the same with my son he will always be my little boy however my goals for her and him are always going to be inherently different than their adult goals and dreams for themselves. Right. So parents stop forcing your child into the same mold they were in when they're 12. They're not 12 anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think my giant takeaway that, and I'm sorry, if you are hurt, say you're hurt. Don't watch hollow porn and, (laughs) and go on the hollow deck and sulk. You know, he could have told Deanna, look, yeah, I wanted to be a starship captain, but I also want you with equal fervor. Don't do this. And that I'm guaranteeing that's probably all it would have taken would be him saying, don't do this. I love you. That would yeah. have taken. Yeah. I love you and I want to marry you. So, you know, it's fear. Say what you mean. Mm-hmm. Mean what you say. And obviously they are very much in love or they wouldn't have gotten married later. But meanwhile, 
he would just assume sulk, like yeah. you said, Be insta- instead of actually having a conversation. Vulnerability. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to be vulnerable. It is, but it it's worth it. But the payoff is worth it. Yeah. Because I'd rather know how someone really feels. Yes. Than to be living in some kind of fantasy or... Because whatever. what happens is if you don't say something, I will forever feel like it's, this is okay. And mm-hmm. you didn't want me enough to say something. Mm-hmm. So regardless of how it turns out, I will carry that forever. Mm-hmm. Because in that point, I was very vulnerable. That's just me, though. I'm kind of troubled and twisted. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. To be. I like, at the very end of this episode, they're getting ready to beam Loxana back down to Haven. Yeah. <laughs> this was so funny. And she looks at the captain. She kind of oh, yes. tips her head a little bit. She's like, Captain, even Mr. So-and-so hasn't had such thoughts about me. Mm-hmm. And his eyes get really big, and then she beams down. And Deanna turns to the captain, and she's like, it was a joke. He's like, that was not funny. (laughs) I was, like, begging to differ. It was really funny. It was funny. (laughs) Just to see the look on his face. Yes. What I learned from the captain in this episode is that even when people are acting like complete schmucks Mm -hmm. and arrogant and condescending, you can still maintain composure because in the long run, it doesn't matter. You don't have to comment on everything. Yeah. You don't have to correct people all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I have a tendency to want to correct people's grammar, for instance. Oh. But I've, you know, I can hold back and not be the grammar police unless you smart off to me and then I might. (laughs) (laughs) You don't always have to say something. And like whenever he carried locks on his bags and she said, thank you, you may go. Yeah. To the captain of the ship. I mean, seriously, she was way out of line. Totally. But he didn't He didn't make a big deal out of it and say, hey, you're way out of line. You know, he bowed and gracefully exited. Yeah, and I think... We need to learn to bow and gracefully yes, exit. Yes, I think it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it, you have to remember who you are and stay true to that. Above anything else, you need to stay true to yourself. Don't give up your integrity. A few words is not worth it. You know, he could have put her in her place, but he didn't. And I admire him more for that. I do too. And I think we should uh, try to practice that a little bit. Yeah. All right. Join us next week for season one, episode 12, The Big Goodbye. In this episode, we see Picard, Data, and another officer named Waylon enter a holodeck program that's based on Picard's favorite reading series, Dixon Hill. And some stuff happens, but it's very cool. All right. Very cool. And until then, peace. Peace. (laughs) Hey, Kitty here. We want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, rate, review, leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. Till next time. Bye. Bye.